She's got a weird sassy pose. I didn't know this existed. This looks like dog shit. Well, I'm gonna talk about eco-terrorism. Got too excited about jorts. I'm leaving now with my Roomba or your blood on my hands. I'm back, back on my bullshit. What is meme if not airhorn persevering? No, this is this is not a family show. And I quote, many American titties. Why'd you have to bring Dane Cook to this, Andrew? No one wanted that. Oh, you guys are not ready for what I've got today. And I've apparently hit the very end of my attention span. Give me like 30 seconds, I'm looking for rhymes. Hello and welcome to Debate This, the show where no one is right, but someone is definitely wrong. In this show, we take time out of our busy adult lives to talk about comic books, video games, and how there is an inverse relationship between one's enjoyment of Michael Bay films and their distance from puberty. The closer you get to 13, the cooler Megan Fox looks in front of all those explosions. Mm. Uh, I think like The Rock is still enjoyable past puberty um is the rock in a michael bay movie no, no the, the movie he, the rock he has a movie <laughs> oh. called the rock starring yeah. nicholas cage actually i um, had the same question matt it's good you're fine <laughs> i think my enjoyment of nicholas cage movies has had the inverse effect the yeah. farther away that i get away from puberty the Definitely. more i enjoy nicholas cage movies yeah they are conflicting bell curves Mm-hmm. I would They're say opposite it. sides of the sexual spectrum. Ar- Armageddon <laughs> and The Rock are two legitimately fun to watch Michael Bay movies, regardless of your your age and gender. All right, cool. I didn't know you were a Michael Bay apologist, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Kyle, he's, big he's the last. Bay fan he's the last true auteur, Matt. All right, hey, we're back for another flavor text, and today's was commissioned by good patron and even better friend, Thunder Chicken, in our Discord. Thunder Chicken, in our Discord. Cut that first one out, Todd. If you're new to the (laughs) Debate This podcast feed and are unfamiliar with our flavor text episodes, then you're going to learn today, as the mission of flavor text is to teach you all there is to know about one specific property. I'm really happy that you put in the notes, you're going to learn today. (laughs) (laughs) Good. All of the properties we've done flavor text on for the last few sessions. Nope. All of the fla- Jesus. All of the properties we've done flavor text on for the last few seasons have been commissioned by the valiant members of hashtag Butthwomp Nation over at patreon.com slash debate this cast. And like I said, today's flavor text is no different. If you would like to make us learn everything about one thing, you can do that at the aforementioned patreon.com slash debate this cast my brain is melted the only thing in my brain is content for this flavor text now (laughs) today's flavor text dunked me in a giant vat of toxic nostalgia goo and turned me into a big old mutant fanboy we're not doing x-men just to be clear we're uh, not doing x-men we're not doing x-men it also it could be fallout it's called it much like the mcu we're not doing (laughs) (laughs) x-men wait keep going As I dust off my action figures, old backpack, wristwatch, Halloween costumes, and even the mirror in my childhood bedroom, I was reminded just how much I loved the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles growing up. A quintessential pillar of my young personality was my desire to be a cool martial arts ninja, and if it meant I got to wear a cool shell on my back, then so be it. I sat in my room today and reminisced about all of my older cousins' hand-me-down toys, I learned more about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles than I ever could have imagined as a kid, and I brought Andrew Karate Creatures Henderson, <laughs> Todd Preteen Dirty Jean Kung Fu Kangaroos Thomas, 
and Kyle, adolescent, radioactive, black belt hamsters Harper along for the journey. Are these all um, non, non-copyright non infringing uh, parodies of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that have been used over the years? So these were actually comic books written to compete with the Turtles in the mid-80s. Oh, yes, of course they were. Yeah. Um, I think I had to read them all out loud to make a decision, but I think preteen Dirty Jean Kung Fu Kangaroos is my favorite. Yeah. It it rolls well, off the tongue the best. It has a nice cadence. It's got the nice good good internal rhyme. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. it's funny because there was a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figure of a kangaroo named Walkabout that I owned. And I actually just put a picture of it in the show notes. <laughs> I I owned this He's action surly. figure. His name's Walkabout. <laughs> Todd, I hate to tell you, but that's a that's a preteen dirty gene kung fu kangaroo in your parents' <laughs> lives. Yeah. Shut your whore mouth, Kyle Harper. <laughs> it's it a real a... mega box mega blocks Lego situation. <laughs> right. I think I like it because it has the same cadence as one eyed one horn flying purple people yeah, eater. It does. Yeah. That's that's what it is. Yeah. Hey, anyway. Uh, before, Wait, oh, do you have quick, something else, Todd? Quick. What do you have? Yeah, Go ahead. Uh, walkabout <laughs> is described as a crocodile hunter and a swag man. <laughs> and a swag man. <laughs> I have cool. nothing else to add to this moment. Well, then, before we jump in, I would like to ask the ceremonial question of what do you guys know about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles here at the start of this flavor text? Yeah, I mean, everything that a five-year-old could possibly know about a particular property. Um, much like you, I had I had not one, not two, but a box, a, a bin, if you will, of Teenage Mutant Ninja Tur- Turtle toys. Um, one of them, you could transform Michelangelo into a pizza. You could just, like, transform it. No, he shot, or did he shoot pizzas out of his belly? It might have been one or he both of those things. He shot pizzas out of his belly, I think. That, yep, thank you. Thank you, Todd. Um, yeah, cartoon... Uh, I had we were talking before we hit record. I had the the turtles live in concert on VHS as well as <laughs> the secret of the ooze, the second movie, um, which I have fond memories of. But again, I if somebody told me it's not very good, I would wouldn't I would believe you because I was three years old. Um, so yeah, a lot of fond memories of of the turtles. Um, I was I I weirdly like I I fall in this weird middle ground where I weirdly like know enough about the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles that I was ready to be like the second in command on this flavor text. Um, but I, my dear sweet Catholic mother would not let me watch Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a kid. So I don't have a ton of like nostalgia tied up in it. I just like, once I could watch my own things, I was like, I remember those turtles looked pretty cool. Let's see what they were all about. <laughs> and like, it was around the time that they were rebooting or like trying to get some reboots off the ground. So there was like new mm. turtle stuff to consume. So like, like I said, I know a fair amount, but at the same time, like don't have any of that childhood nostalgia tied up into it. Cause I was not allowed to watch it as a kid. I um, love the idea that you got into turtles the same way that like a lot of us got into dragon ball 10 years after it aired. Yeah. <laughs> like that's yeah. very fun to me. <laughs> <laughs> I growing up think I also had the same that like the physically the same box of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles <laughs> mm-hmm. toys that Andrew had. Um, it's I a weird quantum remember. box. They had you the never same saw them in the same box. place. <laughs> yeah, it's true. They had the it's same true. box. Um, that same box existed in rural Ohio um, for a set number of years. <laughs> I 
had some favorite Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle action figures. The one that comes to mind is a Leonardo dressed as a samurai. Like in Ooh, a, I had that one too. And, like, <laughs> and when you, when you, it's the same box. It must and when be. you squeeze, when you squeeze the legs, the samurai armor shoots out of his back and flops over the front of him. Um, it was real dope. Uh, which it also plays to what my favorite movie was, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles three, um, where the turtles are back. Dot 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 in time. Oh um, yeah. Really Your love, favorite really movie was the third one. <laughs> out of the that was the one that I remember the most vividly. Um, that was the one that okay. stuck out the most. And uh, I'm sure we're gonna talk about like weird cuts here, but I've always had a really big, I guess, appreciation of the villain Krang. The, <laughs> the the weird the weird tentacle uh meat wad brain monster that lived in that, <laughs> that cyborg's belly. I I just still to this day like that's just really really great. And Krang, so yeah, I Krang is a like just as much a cultural touchstone I think as the four Teenage Mutant Ninja mm-hmm. Turtles. Like right, Krang. When you see Krang, that that doesn't leave your your brain cavity. Something uh, special. It, yeah. Yeah, so I, kind of doing some of the homework, Matt, that you had shared, listening to the theme song just transformed me, just took me back, took me back, dot, 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 in time, some would say. <laughs> so I, I'm very excited today because I really, there was a special part of my childhood that was collecting Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Matchbox cars. Right on. Yeah, I mean, I think we all had similar experiences, and I think that's most people's experience with the Turtles. As we're going to talk about today, it is truly a generational IP. Uh, Every kid has had Turtles to grow up with since 1983, so there really is an opportunity for everyone to have that childhood nostalgia of the Turtles, which is really kind of cool. I had two older cousins who were both... Yeah, give or take like 10 years older than me. And most of my turtle action figures were hand-me-downs from them. So a lot of the like turtle toys that I had weren't so much in line with when I was watching the turtles in the early 2000s. It was the original like turtle mania toys. Um, specifically, yeah. I had a turtle-shaped miniature sewer base so it was like a little turtle that opened up and inside of it was a sewer base and it came with minis of everybody that was during the whole poly pocket and mighty max phase yeah Yeah, so we are unfortunately not going to talk much about toys today and i i say this later on we already did just now we covered it all we just did and i'm sure we will more in this way but like The Turtles Toys wiki is twice the length of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles wiki. Yeah, Um, surprising. Go Um, go listen to go listen to Candare. There, that's exactly what I say later in the notes. Yeah, go go check out our friends at Candare. They're really good. I mean, like I know all those guys really love the Turtles and really appreciate the collector aspect of it. Um, I got a lot of the information from this flavor text by watching. Season three, episode one of the toys that made us on Netflix, which is all about oh, nice. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So did that one there talk is about a, the samurai Leonardo too? <laughs> yep. <laughs> there is a lot of information about turtle toys out there. I'm not going to give it much of it to you today, um, but it is 
really a huge part of the brand. What we are going to talk about today is the evolution of the Turtles from 1983 to here in 2022, considering the most recent Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles release came out like five months ago. So can there can I quickly talk about um, this wave of nostalgia tied to the Turtles did come flooding back? And that was we every year um, we did like a we did dare in my school, which I know everyone else here also <laughs> yeah. did dare. Oh, yeah. And every year we watched um, a stupid like anti drug, like the cartoons fight drugs uh, movie. Yeah. And the Teenage Hell Mutant yeah. Ninja Turtles were like semi major semi main characters in it. And that was like the only Turtles content I consumed until I was a teenager. That's all. Kyle. Oh. Kyle, have you seen uh, Batman versus the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles? I know it exists, oh. but I haven't seen it. That's a movie for you. That one is for you specifically. Okay. <laughs> um, the the only crossover like that I'm familiar with is the Teenage Mutant Turtles v Power Rangers, which was yeah. We talk about that a later. Whole thing. Oh, I'll it's keep a it whole to myself, thing. Then. We talk about it later. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I mean, the Turtles have done a lot of things in. 40 years, uh, nearly 50 years at this point that they have been in, or nope, math, 40 years that they have been in existence. <laughs> and I'm going to take you through the evolution of the brand. We'll talk a little bit about story from some of the comics and some of the shows, but mostly we're just going to experience how the turtles came to be because it is a pretty interesting story. And it is not the path that a lot of major IPs from the early 80s took to hit it this big so no it's without, the path of the ninja it is it is the path <laughs> of the ninja but a different path of the ninja <laughs> from other ninja related properties don't laugh at your own joke like that Get out of here. <laughs> i'll laugh at whatever jokes i want to Tom. <laughs> so without further ado let me transport you back the year was 1983 scarface national lampoon's vacation monty python's the meaning of life and the thrilling conclusion of the Star Wars trilogy ruled the box office. TV saw the beginning of He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, Inspector Gadget, and G.I. Joe, a real American hero. Radios everywhere were blaring every breath you take by the police, Billie Jean and Beat It by Michael Jackson, and Down Under by Men at Work. Meanwhile, two struggling artists named Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird decided to move in together in Dover, New Hampshire. So, after working together for a little over a year, Eastman and Laird declared themselves Mirage Studios, an independent comics company named after the fact that there literally was no studio. It was just Peter Laird's <laughs> living room. Then they <laughs> used that as their awesome. business address and referred to the living room as the studio. Eastman and Laird is like, that's a good, that's a good name for a firm. It is. It's yeah. very good. Mm -hmm. So Eastman and Laird had enjoyed working together, but had yet to create an IP strong enough to gain any traction. In November of 1983, while the pair were strung out and exhausted working on their character Fugitoid, Kevin Eastman told his partner Peter Laird <laughs> that he was going to draw something to make him laugh. Do we know? Do we know anything else on Fugitoid? It's oh a, yeah, I it's mean, a '80s ass robot. Okay. Yeah, it is. It's a it's an Astro Boy looking robot. Got I've, it. Got it. Got it. I have seen a lot of things about Fugitoid today. None of them 
really all that interesting. I feel like if your adult friend sits across from you and is like, I'm going to draw something to make you laugh. You're about to be murdered is what is about to actually happen. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he shows up in TM. Okay, never mind. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So he drew a masked bipedal turtle wielding nunchucks and labeled him Ninja Turtle. In the classic <laughs> rules of one-upmanship, Laird drew a cooler version, and as the rules state, <laughs> Kevin was then required to draw more turtles, which left them with a group shot of these four Ninja Turtles. And I have awesome. which the I have an image of the first two. I'll drop in the notes. Um, so listeners, there is not an <laughs> oh, inner page for oh, you this man. week. There really just weren't enough pictures to make it relevant. Um, the four turtles are turtles the whole time. I hate to break it to you. So you can just Google <laughs> it if you want to see something. What's wow. so funny to me about this is the concept of the one drew a ninja turtle and the other one said, I'm gonna draw a cooler one. Because like the joke you would make is, haha, give it like some junk food and a skateboard, but like that's that's the that's whole thing. That's what they did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Laird took that drawing of the four turtles, inked it, added the words teenage mutant to the title, and the pair decided that this would be their next project. And a little fun fact for you, 29 years later, that original drawing would be sold at auction for $71,700. Only $71,000. I feel like that would be more. Huh. I know. I was a little surprised. In 2010. What if that were an NFT, though? Okay. So, anyway, <laughs> comics fans themselves, <laughs> moving Laird <on>. and Eastman, <laughs> originally planned Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a one shot book, which would parody some of the most popular and their favorite comics of the early 80s. The parasite Frank Miller's run of DC's Ronin, Dave Sims, Cerebus, the Aardvark, and Marvel <laughs> Comics, New Mutants, and Daredevil as these inspirations, with the latter being the most important for reasons that will be explained soon. Uh, it's my I'll favorite. give you guys all an opportunity to Google Cerebus, the Aardvark. Oh, how did yep. you know, Matt? Uh, it could have yeah. been that I saw three cursors highlight our Google Doc at the same time. <laughs> I've seen I this love art him. style before. I love him so much. He doesn't look like an aardvark so much he as looks like spider a donkey. Ham. He looks like he spider He does look ham. like Spider-Ham. Mm -hmm. um, Cerebus the Aardvark, written basically to counter and spoof Marvel's uh, Conan the Barbarian. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. he's, so, he's a barbarian aardvark. He's so sad and salty. I love it. Okay, this one looks mo more like an aardvark, and then they shortened his nose for for the same reason they shortened Arthur the aardvark's nose to make a more friendly character for children. I get it. All right. Well, back to back to no. This amphibious. is a Cerebus the aard aardvark <laughs> podcast now. Back to amphibious anthropomorphic heroes. They also needed to name these four turtles. So to stick with the ninja theme, they gave them all Japanese names. However, it never felt right to the authors, and they decided to go with Renaissance artists instead. Inspired by Peter Laird's copy of Jansen's History of Art, they named the turtles Leonardo, Raphael, Donatello, and Michelangelo, which was actually misspelled with that goofy extra A for like a whole decade. <laughs> nice. Wow. 
It's the original so wild Go ahead. how just like absolutely random and out of nowhere this is. <laughs> yeah, man. You like know what? Todd said, if somebody ever says, I'm gonna draw something to make you laugh, like you're gonna die. Yeah. And these guys right. made a 40 year IP. Yeah. Good on oh. good on them though for realizing early on that the Japanese names weren't gonna work and like yeah. were, was too right. iffy for for it to continue. Good. Good on them. Yeah. What, there was an interview with one of the guys, I, I think it's Peter Laird, uh, and he basically said, like, we came up with these Renaissance names and we thought, well, it's just quirky enough to work. And it did, <laughs> all things considered. Yeah. So the original turtles all wore red masks as opposed to their now signature blue, red, purple, and orange. Mirage planned to run the book with black and white artwork inside, and they were finding it difficult to differentiate which turtle was which in the art. So each turtle was given their own signature weapon. Leonardo got twin katanas. Raphael got twin size. Donatello got a bow staff. And Michelangelo got nunchucks. They had done it. They had created a comic <laughs> book studio, dreamed up some IPs, and they wrote and illustrated a book. Now they just had to get people to read it. In what some Silicon Valley douchebag would describe as an initial round of investment, the boys used Kevin Eastman's $500 tax return, Peter Laird's last $200, and a $1,300 loan from Kevin Eastman's uncle to, pin, to print 3,275 copies of Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. Wow. They wrote a yeah. zine. It they was DIY. Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Their $1,800 budget left them just enough cash to buy an ad in an industry publication, Comic Buyer's Guide magazine. This ad and the pair's debut at a comic convention in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, was enough to generate some serious buzz. There's also a whole bunch of stories about them putting together like handmade home-stamped press kits and sending them wow. out to like anybody they could find an address for. That's wild. Yeah, right. The limited nature of the run made the book an instant collector's piece with copies soon selling for over 50 times the original $1.50 price tag. If you want one of those first prints now, expect to penny up between $2,500 and $4,000. Sure. S wow. Still not, that's not as bad as I would expect for, for one of the original 3,000 issues of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's... Yeah, that's sure. low. That's low. Yeah, from a lot of the things that I read online, because the initial run was so small and it became a collector's piece so quickly, those original 3,000 plus books have all been really well preserved. So it's not like you're finding one action sure. comics number one from 1948. You know, like you they're, just, they're all they're all like known about and accounted for for the most part. Right. Like, yeah, maybe, pretty much. Maybe 40 of them are floating around unknown out there. When I guess this was 1984. This was after like collector's items had already been established mm -hmm. as a thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There was certainly a culture around it at this point. So they sold out within weeks and printed another 6000 or so copies. These sold out easily as well. Eastman and Laird's Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles premiered in March of 1984, and by May, the duo had made enough money to pay back Kevin Eastman's uncle 
and split $200 in profit, which if you're curious, that's like $570 in profit in 2022 money. So yeah. decent money. It's almost All rent. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost a third of the average rent in the United States. Yeah. While Eastman and Laird had planned for TMNT to be a one-shot, self-contained book, they were smart enough to realize they were onto something. In January of 1985, they completed issue number two and quickly received orders for 15,000 copies, which led to a distributor order of 30,000 copies of a number one reissue. And then number three saw orders around 50,000 copies and orders peaked with number eight at 135,000 copies, thanks to a guest appearance by, you guessed it, <laughs> Cerebus the Aardvark. <laughs> Amazing. Are we going to talk much more about Cerebus the Aardvark? Todd, I think that's I the you, last time Cerebus we mentioned the Aardvark him. podcast now. Well, I got to tell you, he's problematic in his views. He, he, put, he was a star in a comic in 2019 that we'll just call it problematic based upon my, my internet search. Well, the more you know. So we, we're canceling Cerberus canceling. the Aardvark is what I'm saying. He's canceled today. Now that you know the story behind the book, let's take a look at the first TMNT comic. This was before the toys, TV shows, movies, and merch. While most of the characters in this book, as well as a number of story beats, have been preserved through the modern era of the Turtles, this first book was, mar was much darker and grittier than what you would expect of TMNT today. Unless, of course, you're Michael Bay, in which case, no one really gives a shit what you think. <laughs> Eastman and Laird had no hesitation about putting their love of Jack Kirby and Marvel Comics' Daredevil front and center. Outside of the general ninjas in New York motif, Eastman and Laird named the turtle Sensei and surrogate father, who is a similarly mutated old ninja rat, Master Splinter, in reference to Daredevil's master, Stick. Oh, that's oh, yeah. really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Neat. Eastman and Laird also felt that while Daredevil was on the rooftops of New York City fighting the hand, it would make sense for the turtles in the sewer to be warring with the similar but different foot, and thus they that's named their league of bad guys the good. Foot Clan. Excellent. Okay. No, I actually, Excellent. I actually don't like that. I, I love I like it. Stick I, and love it. I, I hate that. I did. I did know all of this already, and it's uh. very, very good. So these two fun homages aside, the TMNT creators decided to go even more on the nose for the Turtles' origin story, and thus I present to you this reading from the archived Mirage website. And so this is a summary of the first book, but I think that this summary. I mean, obviously, it was like written by the guys who wrote the book, but I think that it tells this story better than I could. So I'll, I'll just read it from them. The first issue, where it all began. The book opens with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles battling some 15 gun-toting thugs and mopping up the New York City alleyway with them. Once the police show up, the turtles head for home in the sewer. The TMNT find Master Splinter and tell him of their victory. Splinter decrees that they are now ready to be told of their mission a mission of retribution. The sensei tells the turtles for the first time their origins. Splinter was once the pet rat. Now follow This is important. Splinter was once the pet rat of Hamato Yoshi, said to be the greatest shadow warrior of his clan, known as the Foot. While watching Yoshi practice his art of combat, 
Splinter would mimic his movements and eventually became as adept as his human benefactor. Splinter explains that Yoshi had a bitter rivalry with a fellow clan member, Oroku Nagi. They competed fiercely in all things, even in the matters of the heart. They both fell in love with a beautiful girl named Tang Shen, but she loved only one of them in return, Splinter's master Yoshi. Nagi became extremely jealous, and one night in a fit of rage, he went to Tang Shen's home and demanded that she love only him. She refused, and Nagi began to beat her. Just then, Yoshi came upon them, and in a fit of rage, he slew Nagi. This was a shameful act in the eyes of the Foot Clan, as one member must never kill another. Yoshi had two choices. He could take his own life in ritual suicide and hope for honor in the next life, or he could flee the clan and attempt to start a new life. Master Yoshi decided on the latter and fled to New York City with Tang Shen, Splinter, and a few possessions. He started his own martial arts school, and all went well for years. In Japan, Nagi's brother Saki had sworn vengeance against Yoshi, the man who had killed his sibling. His anger pushed him to become a premier ninja in the foot, and as a reward for his hard work and diligence, the clan sent him to New York City to lead the Big Apple's branch of ninjas. Saki <laughs> recognized this as an opportunity to reap his revenge against Hamato Yoshi and slay him. I want to point out that the two brothers' names um, combined to make Nagasaki, which is not great. Um, yeah, go on. <laughs> I mean, it is a place. It's a it town. Is a pla- it is a mm-hmm. city. Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah. But, but it- yes, they could have named it any city in Japan. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Saki quickly built the New York branch of the foot into a criminal powerhouse involved in many illegal activities, from drug smuggling and arms running to their specialty of assassination. But he never forgot his goal. And after a time, he tracked Yoshi and Tang down and set his vengeance into motion. While Yoshi was away at work, Saki broke into his apartment and murdered Tang Shen. Saki lay in wait until Yoshi returned home. As Hamato walked through the door, he saw his dead wife and her murderer, Oroku Saki, who proclaimed himself to be the Shredder. A great fight broke out, and Splinter's cage was broken, freeing him. Eventually, the youthful Shredder bettered his older combatant, and Yoshi was slain as well. So let me just, real quick, the youthful Shredder uh, at this point is the younger brother. He kind of becomes immortal later. Don't worry about that. (laughs) (laughs) Splinter fled to the alleys and lived off of garbage scraps, scraps anguished over the death of his master. Until the day when a TCRI truck drove by and a strange canister flew out of its hold. The container struck a young man in the head, bounced off the pavement, and smashed into a boy's aquarium filled with turtles. (laughs) The shattered glass canister and turtles all fell into an open manhole cover, dropping into the murky sewer below. The metal container held some strange chemical, and when it hit the floor of the sewer, it broke, bathing the turtles in its glowing ooze. Splinter, curious, went to see what had become of the turtles. He collected them into a coffee can and cleaned the glue off them as best he could. The next day, the wise rat found that he and the turtles were mutating, becoming more human-like with each passing day. Eventually, the turtles spoke, and Splinter began to set his own plan for vengeance into motion. He began training the turtles in the art of ninjutsu, and he had 
had, yeah, goddamn, he had learned from Hamato Yoshi. He named each turtle after a famous Renaissance artist whose names he had found in an old book, Forsaken in the Sewer. And there you go. There's the <laughs> origin of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's a and very good origin. It's it a very, it's good, a very origin good origin. <laughs> it's a very good origin story, partially because it belongs to Daredevil. Uh, so <laughs> the young boy <laughs> that that canister bonked in the noggin is supposed to be Matt Murdock. Now, I wasn't Amazing. really sure if this was like official canon or what the story is. So Marvel and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles have never coexisted. There have been some like small little crossover moments here and there and in, in, uh, licensed things, but comic publishing has never had them together. So Eastman and Laird love Daredevil and they love that comic. And they have said that like, this is our telling of Daredevil's origin story. And in our canon, that boy who pushed the guy out of the way is Matt Murdock, but he's not the one who got gooed. So mm. it's in theory, the same goo that, that gave Daredevil his blind man powers, but is not actually the same goo. (laughs) (laughs) I only have one question, and I I know there's not an answer for it, but I have to ask it anyway. So, okay, so you said, like, all these things, like, Master Splinter was sad, and Splinter was, like, after the death of his master, but, like, he was just still, like, a rat. So is that implying that, like, he had full sentience as as a pet rat? But the turtles did not. Sentience, but not necessarily... um, intelligence right like he was a pet in the same way that like a dog or a cat would be a pet however this is a pet rat that can also mimic his master training i was gonna say i would argue that he does have intelligence if he like if he's like remembering and mimicking these like very articulate movements picking up ninja training yeah yeah Um, listen i didn't write the fucking book you guys i (laughs) i know i said there wasn't an answer for it i just i have to ask the question yeah so you know, in the art, because I did go through and read like most of the first comic, Splinter's originally really small, and he is not always bipedal, although he can do martial arts things. <laughs> and so his mutation is that he becomes more human, becomes bipedal, grows in size, and his wisdom is kind of supposed to be inherent to his time as the pet rat of this ninja master because a lot of Splinter's teachings are like, my master Yoshi used to tell me the wind blows harder on your back. Mm. I don't know. I didn't have a quote ready, but (laughs) yeah. yeah. So yeah, there you go. And this book concludes with the killing of the Shredder because again, they were planning on this being a one-off book. Right. So, notably absent from this story are the Kawasbunga, the shell-based catchphrases, and the deep <laughs> obsession with pizza. Oh, sure. I mean, sure. this first this Definitely. first book had not only seppuku but also a suicide bomb. For God's sakes! Oh God! So uh, <laughs> it's a awesome. little darker and grittier. Future issues introduce supporting characters like April O'Neil and Baxter Stockman, who debuted oh, in number two. Baxter Stockman. Yeah. <laughs> Casey Jones, man. who debuted, <laughs> that's right, in, that's right. Yeah, yeah, he is. Casey Jones, who debuted in the Raphael solo book, 
Me, Myself, and I, and Karai in later volumes. All right. So that is the origin of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That is the first book. And now it is time for the turtles to break into pop culture in an era known widely as Turtle Mania. So one thing I feel like we've all learned by doing these flavor texts is that the real money for comic and cartoon properties is in the toys. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Well, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was no different. So please allow me to introduce you to the first of three beings who could be referred to as the fifth turtle. His name is Mark Freeman. (laughs) (laughs) So Friedman was a licensing agent who expressed interest in wider merchandising opportunities for TMNT to the Mirage guys. They said they were down to clown as long as, quote, they had final creative control. Luckily for everyone involved, Eastman and Laird began to warily make some compromises with Friedman to make the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles IP both more marketable and more kid-friendly. Hence the skateboards and pizza. Right. Yes, sir. Many of the largest toy companies passed on the Turtle IP, but Friedman kept trying. In 1988, he took a meeting with a small toy company that made mostly dolls and plastic playsets, but was looking to break into the action figure market. A deal was struck and production started on a line of toys that would spark an era of American pop culture history known as Turtle Mania. That small toy company was called Playmates. Okay. And just a little fun fact, there was a pre-Playmates license deal for the Turtles with Palladium, who produced a tabletop role-playing game and a couple of 15-centimeter minis. I know wow. nothing else about it. I just How know that it fun. exists. How fun would a Turtles TTRPG be? <laughs> right. So Turtle Mania would have been dead in the water if not for some major changes to the Turtles IP, which neither Eastman nor Laird were particularly excited about. Eastman said in a 1998 interview for the Comics Journal, and I've copied this verbatim and I've checked it on two different sources, and it's kind of gobbledygook, but... The resolution at the end of the day, even when Pete and I both agreed that, well, there's some stuff we really don't like and some stuff that we wish we hadn't said yes to. Stuff that they really wanted to do, but we said, well, we'll always have our black and white comics to tell the kind of stories we want to tell. And that was really the ethos of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brand and something that Laird and Eastman were really proud of that they kept their original comics books to tell their stories and be the vibe they wanted them to be. While the toys and cartoons could be something different, the movies could be something different, the video games could be something different. I read a quote from one of them and I forgot to write it down, something along the lines of like, we got to explore the wackier side of what might happen in our universe and we've enjoyed that, but we've kept our comics to the original story the whole time. Um, which is pretty cool. That is cool. Yeah, it's really cool. Hmm. I'm surprised that the... I'm surprised that... Because this is not like... If this were a Marvel property or a Disney property, right? Like, it would be, like, imperative that everything is cohesive. 
yes, and, and right. follows like a brand. So I'm su- I'm actually surprised like the merchandisers were cool with that. And we're I just mean, like, yeah, this at, can exist and it's separately thing. If you look at how the toys came out, though, like it's very much a shotgun. Yeah. Like who cares? Like put yeah, put a, right. a pizza gun in Michelangelo's <laughs> stomach because. Yeah. <laughs> Screw it. Like let's shoot around some pizzas. Yeah. Like these dumb idiots in rural Ohio will buy it. Yeah. And we did. And, and we did. And and we would again. Yeah. Kind of the kicker with the whole thing is that the toys and the show marketed to a much, much different audience yeah. than the comic books did. You know, and and I I don't think would not have even expected or could imagine that a comic existed. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I don't think that anybody had any questions or qualms about that. And I'm guessing that that's where some of the leniency and continuity comes from. So to talk about some of these changes to the IP to make it a little bit more marketable, the biggest aesthetic change for the Turtles was the introduction of their signature color scheme. Because the comic turtles all wore red masks, the only way to differentiate the toys would be by their weapons. And now it's hard to believe parents would take issue with introducing their children to weapons at a young age, but toy producers were worried it would scare away buyers. They gave each turtle an accent color and a belt buckle with their initials. There were other various aesthetic changes, which ranged from making the Foot Clan look like dumpy zombies to putting Shredder in a hunched over position just so he could fit inside the toy packaging. I love that. The other changes, and the one that Eastman and Laird took the most issue with, was the attitude. As noted earlier, the original Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles comics are dark and aimed at an older audience. Playmates creatives decided to soften the turtles for obvious reasons love it or hate it they were obviously on to something because between 1988 and 1997 playmates produced around 400 figurines and dozens of vehicles and play sets totaling about 1.1 billion dollars in revenue My God. and making tmnt the third best selling toy figurine ever at the time behind only gi joe and star wars wow wow okay. i my brain mashed together a couple of those lines, and I read Playmates produced around 400 billion figurines, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> um, I would never have guessed that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was more profitable than, like, Transformers. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. That's kind of where my head went, too. Yeah. I would have to guess okay. Transformers is a close three or four though like or four or five though um for the time like that's yeah i imagine it is and honestly like i didn't look too closely i found this cited in a couple of places and decided i was confident in that um i know that tmnt sold gangbusters and a big part of the reason that it didn't catch gi joe and star wars is that those properties started a decade earlier so like right you have to imagine uh an ip coming in 10 years later yeah and almost catching the heels of star wars like that's that's big deal mm-hmm. man yeah 
So look, I would love to be able to sit here and pretend like I had enough time to immerse myself into the world of Turtles toys to tell you more about this era. But believe me when I tell you that that is a well so deep it would make even the biggest Bomberman enthusiast shudder. <laughs> TMNT Toys has its own Wikipedia page that's almost double the size of the actual TMNT Wikipedia page. And like we said earlier, if you want to know more about that sort of thing, I really do recommend checking out our friends over at the Canned Air podcast who have forgotten more about the Turtles and its toy lines than I will ever know. Also, again, I, I can't recommend enough that Toys That Made Us documentary docuseries on mm -hmm. Netflix episodes a little over an hour. It's very good or a little under an hour. It's, it's really, really good. All right. So while the real money may be in toys... You obviously need a cartoon to sell your toys. Playmates was inspired by the success of the G.I. Joe, He-Man, and Transformers cartoons, so they called upon animation studio Murakami, Wolf, and Swenson to create a five-part miniseries pilot. And I did a little digging into Murakami, Wolf, Swenson to see if they had other things you would recognize. If you were a fan of, like, James Bond Jr. in the 80s, <laughs> you would know MWS. The biggest thing that they had was they animated all of the Puff the Magic Dragon specials in the 70s. Oh, okay. But yeah, yeah they you had been kind of cold for a decade or so. Yeah. All right. So that five-part miniseries pilot debuted in December of 1987 and aired three times before finding an audience. Once it gained traction, Playmates ordered more episodes, and shit just absolutely popped off. The original 1987 cartoon would run for 188 episodes between 1988 and 1996, making sure that Turtle Mania could continue to rule an entire aisle of every toy store in America. Um, that's like one-sixth of a One Piece I didn't realize, <laughs> I, I would have never guessed that there were 188 TMNT-like episodes of that series Is, that I grew up watching. Now, someone who did grow up watching the show, can you answer this question? Are these 22-minute episodes or 11-minute episodes, effectively sure cutting I, that number in half? Ooh, I think they're 11 Okay. Yeah, they might, I honestly they might don't follow the. 11. They might follow the the, the Garfield format. Yeah. So like that would be, that would be like, what's that nine? That would only be like ninety four uh, individual so, like television blocks. Well, I guess like what's an episode? What are you? This is right, so right. this is this is not official, but I'm looking. I just googled TMNT episodes nineteen eighty seven. I see seven seasons, which lines up with the number of years, and. Each episode is listed as 22 minutes. Hmm. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Yeah, it looks and like season seven had 10 episodes. So, I mean, well, let's see here if we do the math then. So maybe each one counted as two. Well, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Anyway, they didn't skimp on the voice cast for this bad boy. They had Rob Paulson famous for doing the voices of Pinky and Yakko Warner voicing Raphael. Cam Clark voicing Leonardo, who would go on to star as Kaneda in the English dub of Akira. Is the name Kaneda? Did I say that right, Andrew? 
I'm not seeing it's, Akira. I don't know. Oh, really? It was yeah. I. I just assumed it was an anime, and you had seen it. I'm sorry. We that all was, did, Matt. It's it was fine. it was fine. wrong of me to assume your anime. I apologize. And James Avery of Fresh Prince fame, voicing Shredder. James Avery was Uncle Phil. Yeah, let's well, let's point out uh, that these were not these were not good big gits at the time. These were all up and coming actors at the time. Um, like Fresh Prince didn't come out until '90, so. Um, yeah, but I mean, pe- James Avery had a career before Fresh Prince, um, and I think mm-hmm. that this was a pretty. I think Rob Paulson was the big get. I mean, he's the the lead. Yeah. Um, like he has lead billing. Right. He's got a huge voice resume. Yeah, oh, he was sure. uh, Yakko Warner in Animaniacs. Yeah, yeah, he's. Um, oh, it, it, all I can think of is Tom Segura, and that's not it. Um, <laughs> the guy who voiced SpongeBob, Tom Kenny. Uh, Tom Kenny, thank you. Uh, Rob Paulson is Warner Brothers Tom Kenny. Yeah. Anyway, the cartoon introduced the world to the newer, softer, more radical Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. This is where we get the turtles people know as well as some of the most hotly contested characters in the turtle universe. Bebop and Rocksteady and Krang, the stomach blob man. Love love my little wrinkly son. (laughs) I really like Bebop and Rocksteady. Mm-hmm. Anybody who is a fan of the Turtles comics hates Bebop and Rocksteady. Kevin Eastman and really? Peter Laird hate Bebop and Rocksteady. Man. Yeah. Um, they're just so they're much so fun. fun and, yeah, they're so fun and dumpy. And that's the thing is that like Eastman and Laird never wanted Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles to be a dumpy thing, you know? And, yeah. and that's like one of their biggest arguments with the cartoon is that they made Shredder into your typical bumbling cartoon villain because that's yeah. what cartoons were in the 80s. And, like, you know, they wanted their villains to have a sense of intimidation. And uh, in the original comics lines, they weren't mutating other people into anthropomorphic animals and stuff. And so yeah, I, I was, really like He was Bebop just and Skeletor, but with a different skin. Like, yeah. Well, it, it, and, like, he definitely ended up having... What was it? Inspector Gadget's villain, Doctor Claw, like, like a lot of like my plans foiled again. Yeah, energy. yeah, like, yeah. I'll, curse, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll curse you, Ninja Turtles. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So interestingly enough, though, Krang is actually based on someone from the comics, or I, I shouldn't necessarily say someone. I should say something. Uh, Krang is based on, I believe, it's the Or Orlum or. I think it's called Orlum. It's a race of aliens that is actually from the Fugitoid comics, but oh. created the chemical that TCRI transported that transmuted the turtles. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that Krang is from the future. I know there's definitely like, <laughs> no, like, like, and I get that stupid to say out loud. I think there's definitely a, there's a plot line where other soldiers come from the future. And I'm pretty sure like Krang is in cahoots with the moon and they're like, oh, our general. He's like, yes, my, I, my people. <laughs> I always kind of took Krang as like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles version of Apocalypse, but like shitty. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's you know? supposed to. He's supposed to be more like Ultron. Um, okay. Mm. But I'll be completely honest. When I was a kid and up until I was really into Marvel shit when I was like 15, 
I thought that Krang and Modok were the same. I did not know that I mean, there was a difference between that, these two I mean, characters. That's fair. That's very yeah. fair. Yeah. They they kind of are cut from the same cloth. I, I don't mean I don't I hate to interrupt you, but I do need to point out that I, I spent a lot you of time. I had to find the pizza, the pizza Michelangelo <laughs> toy. It's better than I remember. His eyes are all like bug out and he's got like a slice of pizza. Like he's chomping a cigar hanging outside his mouth. It's perfect. It. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Excellent. Good find for sure. Okay. Um, now we can back continue to, the flavor text. <laughs> back to the 1983 cartoon. Uh, this cartoon rules in the way that mid-80s cartoons written explicitly to sell toys do. That said, the theme song was written and partially performed by Big Bang Theory creator Chuck Lorre, and I that's also certainly not nothing. Know, <laughs> I did also know that's that great. part of Chuck Lorre lore. Um, it's yeah, so good. So if you go... If you go back and listen to the TMNT theme song, which was part of the, your your homework for this flavor text, between music lines when there's just somebody saying like "It's radical," that's Chuck Lorre. Yeah, that's like his Good. first TV credit too. It's like it's uh -huh. like the reason yeah. we have a Chuck Lorre. Yes, Chuck <laughs> Lorre is to the 1983 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as Kevin Feige is to Sam Raimi's Spider Man. Sure. <laughs> that was a joke right. for Todd. He laughed at it. Cool. Anyway, gotcha. while the writers were careful to make the show less violent, it didn't come without controversy. In the UK, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles was renamed to Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles because apparently the British are way less cool with ninjas. Also, <laughs> turns out nunchucks are outlawed in the UK. So all oh. of Michelangelo's fight scenes were cut, and he was relegated to being the grappling hook guy. Oh, he's okay. the grappling hook guy. Yeah, very good. Because it's I, another spinny weapon. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Huh. There was that's also got, a that's got big like Brock taking out his favorite jelly donuts. Yes. In yes. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> exactly that. Uh. So there was also a series of officially licensed Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle video games, both in arcades and home consoles. The biggest standout of these was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES, which was released in 1989. Developed by Konami, it featured Metroidvania-style levels separated by more beat-em-up-style overhead levels. It sold about 400 million copies, making it the 11th best-selling NES game and the wow. number one third-party wow. NES game. Yeah. It was sold for a time as a pack-in bundle, but it's likely the game drew more buyers it, than the system. Everybody game. had that game. Everybody yeah, had that yeah. game. So I was just getting ready to ask mm -hmm. if, if any of you have played that game. Um, and if you have played that game and you or you've watched anyone on the internet play that game, you know that the underwater level was yep. unforgiving. Mm -hmm. It was... I do know. I, yeah, I had... Yeah, I had this game. Uh really liked this game and I'm positive that like young Todd never passed the water level. Like never never yeah. made it. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles for the NES is one of the first games I ever beat. Uh nice. I yeah, yeah just so get get fucked, young yeah, Todd. Just... I <laughs> I don't 
I had an NES, but I wasn't forming long-term memories at the time, so I don't know if we had <laughs> TMNT. I played a lot of Duck Hunt and a lot of Mario on it, and then we got rid right. of it. Um, I didn't so. have an NES. My next-door neighbor did, but he they had this game for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't really get into any more video games, which doesn't leave me any time to talk about Turtles in Time. Turtles in Time. Turtles in yeah, Time. Yeah, man. Greatest <laughs> game. So we're not quite to the SNES part of the the timeline here, and I don't go back to talk about it. But Turtles in Time, one of the best games for the Super mm-hmm. Nintendo, straight up. The new yeah. the new Switch game is very highly rated, yeah. as well. Yes, and it's for, on it's really Pass. good. It's on Game Pass. Oh, it's not just Switch. Okay, it's on. Everything. It's on everything. Gotcha. But yeah, mm-hmm. gotcha. Nice. Yeah, it's really good. There's also uh, this is a weird pull, but. If you got the pack-in Double Dash game for the GameCube, you also got a demo disc that came with the Ninja Turtles beat-em-up for the GameCube, and I don't remember what the title of that game was, but it was really awesome, and I played that demo <laughs> disc a lot. I never bought the real game. I just rented it from Giant Eagle a lot, but it's really good. Um, the last one to add in, there was also a Tournament Fighters game on Sega that I Really? Owned. Yes, and it was a very, very good punch em. Is it just like um, just Mortal Kombat, Street Fighter, but Street yeah, Fighter, Street, but with turtles? Street Fighter, yeah. Mortal Kombat, um, and I, the the cover had Raphael on it, and like the the boss, at least the boss that I got to before I got punished as like a second grader for not being good at games, was uh, a giant <laughs> tri- a giant Triceratops man, um, and he was very mean, and I remember that vividly. Who, who did who did you main, Todd? Um, I think that I mained either Donatello or Raphael. One of them, Donatello had better reach. Raphael had a special that he could like fling energy waves. Hmm. I think they all might have had that. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what I went with. Uh, I wanted to play as Casey Jones more because he could like drop bombs mm-hmm. and stuff, but like he's a nerd and it didn't work out. Yeah, nobody <laughs> likes Casey Jones. I feel like I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the Konami arcade game like 30 seconds. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Right. Also, just an incredibly good classic arcade game. Everybody plays as Donatello. That's just the right answer. <laughs> so yes. the NES TMNT game is the reason that uh, Donatello is my favorite turtle because he had the better reach, and that yeah, was right? really important in that game. Yeah. Um, uh, if you get the power, wait one more thing about that game. If you get the power <laughs> up star, um, your your turtle rolls into a ball. With just its weapon sticking out, um, I don't know what the power up star is. Probably pizza. I don't know. But if you have Donatello, your reach is like three times as far yeah. as Raphael. Yeah, and you're just a bouncing, a bouncing turtle shell with a weapon sticking out, just like slashing people, just whapping so things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, the I'm a little upset that Andrew said nobody likes Casey Jones because I said my favorite turtle is Donatello. I- but my favorite turtle character is Casey Jones. Mm. I yeah, love I Casey Jones. I feel like Andrew's wrong about that. Am I, is, is, that, that a, am, is that a hot take? That I right. think it's a hot, hot take. take. Yeah. Um, okay. I'd be remiss if we didn't bring up uh, Walkabout the Swagman. So. <laughs> I'm not going to talk about Walkabout <laughs> the Swagman. All right. Uh, that's enough. At this point, TMNT has a successful comic series, a successful cartoon, and an explosive toy line, and has been merchandised on literally anything you could ever want. I had a backpack, right? And also oh, a yeah. mirror. Backpack, um, my my backpack lunch mirror box. at home. Yep. There was only one major media left to cover, 
And in 1990, TMNT would do just that with the release of its first live action movie. So with the series at the absolute peak of commercial commercial success, a screenplay was adapted from the original comic. While the plot and tone of the movie are more in line with the Mirage comics, it also adapted elements from the cartoon, including the turtles' colors, their love of pizza, and April O'Neil being a news reporter and kind of a bumbling damsel in distress, which I think it's Peter Laird has said in a bunch of interviews is one of the most upsetting things about the modern turtles to him, Mm, as that he never wanted April O'Neil to be like a news reporter. Uh, April O'Neil is actually introduced as a, an assistant in Baxter's lab. Um, and she's big booby comic science girl, but she's smart and that makes it okay. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I don't know. I don't think that April O'Neil is that terrible in the 90, 90s movie compared to some of her other adaptations. Appearances. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The movie is so wonderfully 1990, but it works for some very specific reasons, none of which are the moments of very thinly veiled homophobia. Steve Barron, who directed the music videos for Billie Jean, Take On Me, and Money For Nothing, really just crushes directing this movie, but the real hero here is Jim Henson and his creature shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. always it's always the hero. The real hero is always Jim Henson and the <laughs> Jim Henson. Show. Right. Yeah, so Jim Henson would pass away later that year, making Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles one of the last projects he worked on. He said that the turtle costumes were the most advanced puppetectronics that he had ever worked on. Just to create the facial expressions, a single puppeteer would use a joystick for the eyes, an electronic glove to work the jaws, and a headset with infrared sensors tracking the puppeteer's face to work the lips. That's amazing. Yeah. So I know that we were talking earlier about whether or not we had seen this movie. You can watch this movie right now for free on one of my personal favorite streaming apps, Tubi TV. Tubi Um, TV. (laughs) Yeah, man. It's available. All three of them are. You can watch Secrets of the Ooze and Back in Time. I might have to do that. Uh, yeah. Matt, will you will you be talking at all about what is it the 2014 movie? Because I have to. Yeah. <laughs> I just we'll get there. I, We're I'm, it's the okay, Todd. The I'll year wait. is 1990. Yeah. Keep it I, to yourself. Well, man. I want to. I want to stay in the good years. Let's stay in the yeah. good time. Can we talk about Hey Ninja? Hey Ninja? Hey Hey Ninja? Hey Ninja? Hey. <laughs> you mean <laughs> it, you mean the Vanilla Ice hit? Uh, oh my god ninja rap vanilla ice's hey ninja hey ninja hey walked so that eminem's venom could run (laughs) excellent oh god it's go ninja go ninja go first off okay did that make it better though (laughs) a little bit yeah It, it is a little bit better sorry continue so what I wanted to say was, if you want to go watch this movie, it's on Tubi TV, and I really can't say enough about the practical effects in this movie. Even 40 years later, 30 years later, I can't do math today, even 30 years later, knowing that the turtles are all animatronics, like you can see it and you know it, but the movement of the face is insane. It's really yeah, so cool. 
Um, and it's not as good in the other two movies. So definitely watch the first one if you want to look for the puppeteering. Yeah, the first thing they did mm. to like increase their profits on the next two movies was can Jim Henson from making the pup the suits because that was mm. easily the most expensive part of the budget for the first one. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, not to be crass, but Jim Henson died. And well, uh, but his creature uh, shop, his creature shop didn't it did get sold off or mm-hmm. i guess so that yeah but it, i mean it scaled way back in those first few years without jim henson and anyway the first movie had some real ringers um in the cast Corey feldman voicing donatello and kevin clash better known as the voice of elmo voicing master splinter huh. kevin clash Spin- not a good person I'm pretty sure he's done some some child child related crimes. He's also canceled like Cerberus the Aardvark. Yep. <laughs> just like yeah. Cerberus the Aardvark. Uh which I just now realized that I've been saying Cerebus this whole time. I think it's Cerebus. It looks like Cerebus, but I, I don't think Todd is wrong. It's Cerebus. What did I say? You said you Cerberus. You said Cerberus? Like um You know, who's to say? Like like uh like the like the multi-headed dog isn't it spelled like yeah. Cerberus? I think that I think it's missing a syllable. I think it's only Cerebus. Yeah, it's not Martin Sheen. He's not Martin Sheen. I think we're losing the thread here, guys. <laughs> we super are. Okay, so the first Ninja Turtles movie was made on a pretty tight budget, considering the quality of the special effects, costing the studio only thirteen million dollars. It made its money back no problem and would earn more than two hundred million dollars worldwide in nineteen ninety money. It was the ninth. What was that? Huh? That's a pretty good return. It is. Yeah. yeah. It was the ninth highest grossing movie of 1990 and the highest grossing independent movie ever at the time. Adjusted for inflation, it made about $150 less than Iron Man did. $150 million left? Less? Yeah. In hopes of capitalizing on the popularity of the movie, a sequel, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, The Secret of the Ooze, was released in 91, and TMNT 3 was released in 93. The Secret of the Ooze was rushed and had a lighter tone, and despite an immaculate performance by Vanilla Ice, it never lived up to the original. TMNT 3 was aimed at the Japanese market, and it was bad. Todd, your thoughts? Give me a... Give me a time travel I, story and I'm in. Look, I feel the same way. I feel about Secret of the Use as Todd does about Back in Time. These Again, we were five, so right. give us the benefit of the doubt. Um, also, I liked Batman and Robin when it came out. I was 10. Yeah. I mean, I mm-hmm. I was... It was I for liked me. Phantom Menace when it came yeah. out. Like, I it get was it. made for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Luckily, sequels aren't the only way to capitalize off a new thing. The live-action animatronic turtles were used heavily in advertising and marketing, including my personal favorite way, the live-action turtles often entered into commercials to present their plastic toy counterparts. (laughs) (laughs) The commercials are awesome. (laughs) And then somewhere along the line, someone said, what if we made it a musical? And coming out of their shells, the stage show was born. A soundtrack album and VHS of the show were released. Pizza Hut sponsored a 40-city tour, wow. and they performed on the Oprah Winfrey show. 
<laughs> every sentence, every every additional sentence and word in that paragraph is just dates less it harder and harder for it. Um, yeah, right. I mean, this was like around like this was around the time where like such and such on ice was so common. Mm-hmm. It was a punchline. Um, also, I'm just imagining like a entire tmnt parody of the killers song um with starting with the line coming out of their shells coming out of their shells and i've been doing (laughs) but that's good that's all i got well that takes us to the year 1995 ish 1996 and that's where we're going to take a quick break so when we come back we're going to talk about what came after the years of turtle mania and talk a little bit more about where the Turtles brand is today. So stick around. I'm Aubrey. I'm Dennis. And I'm Johnny. Every other Tuesday, we take an in-depth and humorous look at different comic books. We're talking indie comics, capes and cowls, and everything in between. Graphic Novel Explorers Club is available on all platforms. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to tell your friends if you have any. All right, welcome back. We're going to finish out our flavor text here on the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and to be honest with you, this is the depressing part. This part doesn't feel so good, and I'm sorry yeah. for that. We're going to finish with good vibes. Well, that's a lie. I'm going to give you a bad, good, bad sandwich here. Um, sorry. Anyway, so Turtle Mania came to a close in 1996 when the original cartoon was canceled. With that metaphorical end, the movie trilogy was also over. The cartoon was done, and toy sales were beginning to shift. Meanwhile, in the background, tension started to grow between Eastman and Laird, who, as all creative partners do, were just running the course of their creative venture together. In 1997, folks from Sabin Entertainment expressed interest in keeping the turtles on TV. Sabin had plenty of experience with characters in masks and rubber suits from their successful run of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which started in 1993. Well, folks mustered up enough cocaine to make Ninja Turtles the next mutation happen. (laughs) The show ran for one year and 26 episodes because it was bad. Marketing touted it as a continuation of the 87 series, which it certainly was not. Mm -hmm. The Turtles' weapons were all changed. It also introduced the second entity referred to as the fifth turtle, Venus de Milo, a female Uh turtle complete with wide hips and very strange and, shell breasts and turtle boobs. I knew about, yep. Yeah, oh. I remember. So when you mentioned, you know, could be the fifth Ninja Turtle, I remember Venus, and I know there's another one too, but I remembered Venus. She's got a weird sassy pose. I didn't know this existed. This looks like dog yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah, a lot of people like this. Collectively, yeah. everyone went no. Yeah. No. So. I, I don't remember which one it was. It was either Kevin Eastman or Peter Laird. I think it was Kevin Eastman said in an interview that he didn't truly regret any of the licensing and marketing deals they made, except for the next mutation. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. It's it, the one thing that everybody agrees on is bad. It looks like Clay Fighter. <laughs> you know? yeah. It super it does. does look it like does. Clay yeah. Fighter. Yeah. It does. Yeah. Ugh. Um. 
the show ran in tandem with Power Rangers in space and saw a number <laughs> of crossovers between the teams. While this was done in hopes of revitalizing the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles brand, it came off more as a sad passing of the torch to the Power Rangers, the new martial arts-based toy franchise. (laughs) Yeah, so I remember that crossover with the Power Rangers, and the whole thing was um, the Ninja Turtles showed up and they were being mind-controlled, so they were the bad guys. And then in the Uh, end, the Power of Friendship, XYZ. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. one of the biggest issues with the next mutation is that it really cranked up the dial on how big of bumbling idiots the turtles are, which like I was kind of telling Maddie last night when we were watching the nineties movie that one of the more fun things about the turtles is that they're actually like really good at this and they just kind of exist to fight bad guys, you know, like (laughs) the power Rangers and a lot of other teams always have this like, we're teens at school, but we have these powers that we have to use. And the turtles are like, we're sewer ninjas. We fight other sewer ninjas. And I love that. Uh, and so the next mutation really just like wasn't that. Threw all that uh, out the window. It was bad. Yeah. Yeah. Do So now that you've talked about uh, Venus de Milo, do you talk about the other uh, new Ninja Turtle, the other fifth one, Jenica? Man, Todd. If you would just be patient, you would learn so many things. <laughs> I'm trying to have a palate. If you would just pump the brakes, Todd. So as the tides waned for the TMNT franchise, Kevin Eastman expressed interest in leaving the property behind. Peter Laird stated that he would, quote, never sell his shares. And eventually it was worked out that Eastman sold his shares to his former partner, making Laird the sole proprietor of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Luckily for Laird, Warner Brothers' rebranding of their Saturday morning cartoon block opened a new door for the brand, and a new animated turtle series was created by 4Kids Entertainment. And it's really good. It's really good, you guys. This is the turtles that I grew up on. Uh, So this started in 2003. It's a very good modernization mm. of the 87 Turtles, and it ran for seven whole seasons. Um, so I was like, I w- really WB, like this. four kids, why don't I know about this? It's because it's like right at the t- right when I aged out of Saturday morning yeah. cartoons. Yeah. This is like, this was peak Saturday. I was in third grade when this shit came right. on TV, and I could not get enough of it. And I had watched a lot of the 90s cartoon turtles i mean we had um the the 400 channels that had all the ancient cartoons that you could watch which is why i was really into mcgilla gorilla um but (laughs) yeah uh the the 2003 cartoon is really awesome and it spawned a movie and i need you guys's help to come up with a phrase here i i left question marks in I originally said that the movie it spawned was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles' first Crisis on Infinite Earths story. And then I thought, maybe it's more of a Sonic Origins-style story. Either way, it's called Turtles Forever. It came out in 2009, and it saw the OG Comics Turtles, the 87 Turtles, and the 03 Turtles all fighting side-by-side in a mashed-up timeline. It's the, it's the like, it's the soft reboot, you know, it's a soft, it's another, 
soft reboot. It's like um, Days of Future Past, the the movie. Um, I think I think soft reboot is the best verbiage you're gonna get for it. Um, there or a passing of the torch episode... reboot. Well, I, are you asking? what to call it when they bring all of the iterations when they, together. Yeah, like when they bring old iterations back and they all buddy-buddy together. Yeah, so there, I don't... <laughs> so I don't... I would have to look up the answer, but there were episode... There was an episode or episodes now at this point of Power Rangers where it would bring all of the dimensions of Power Rangers together for like a big team-up, and it's that. That's what um, yeah, yeah, whatever think, that is. I think Doctor Who did it all first. If we're being, if we're being those like kinds of pedantic I like that nerds, I that's like that really better. what I was looking for. Is like, where did who did this first? And I couldn't. Yeah. Doctor Who is a great example. I didn't even think of it. Crisis on Infinite Earths was the only other mm-hmm. thing. Teenage Mutant Ninja up. Smash Brothers. Yes, <laughs> it is that. Uh, while the animated series was running on TV before Turtles Forever came out. A standalone CGI film called TMNT was released in 2007. And it was super rad. Yeah. I was working at a movie theater at the time. Yeah, this is I your... was the only person I knew who liked this movie. Is is this when Nickelodeon picked up the IP the license? We're getting there. Okay, this isn't yet. Okay, got it. It's like, yeah. This is like the last thing before that. This is the last thing before noted. Yeah. So uh, I lost my place again. TMNT came out in 2007. It's very good. And I don't think it's unfair to say that it saved the Turtles brand. The movie was a little darker than the show and had an absolutely insane cast, which included Patrick Stewart and Kevin Smith as bit roles, Chris what? Evans as Casey Jones, Sarah wow. Michelle Geller as April O'Neil, Lawrence Fishburne as the narrator. And James Arnold Taylor as Leo, Nolan North as Raph, Mikey Kelly as Michelangelo, and Mitchell Whitfield as Donatello. Those last four are all pretty that big is, voice actors. That is wow. Nolan Nolan North showing up in two flavor texts in as as many um, weeks. James Arnold Taylor, who is uh uh G. Gordon Godfrey and Barry Allen in Young Justice. So there you go. Oh my yeah. gosh. Right. Yeah. I mean, all these are just the guys on Warner Brothers Retainer. It's, it's, yeah. Uh, right. Yep. Yeah. So here it is for you, Andrew. The movie was so successful that it caught the eyes of some very important people. Those people just happened to have a big enough wallet to make Peter, I'll never sell my shares, Laird, sell his shares. And in 2009, the TMNT IP was sold to Viacom Nickelodeon for about $60 million. I yeah, that, that's a deal much... I'd make. Like, yeah. <laughs> I wonder how much Eastman sold his shares to Laird for. Mm-hmm. They they talk about it in the Toys That Made Us uh, docu-series. I tell you what, less than $60 million. I would imagine. Yeah. Um, yeah, if this if in 20 years someone wants to give me $60 million for the rights to de- to my portion of the rights to debate this. Uh, see you guys. Um, when when you bought ours out for beans. When I, yes, after after <laughs> yeah. I've bought yours out for for a mint for a song. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can't honestly think of anything I own that I wouldn't sell for sixty million dollars. Oh if God. we're being really honest, I'm. Yeah. Uh, you could you could take that down 
take a zero off of that. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Move that decimal point a a couple spaces. And that brings us to the modern era of the Turtles post the Viacom Nickelodeon acquisition. And unlike a lot of corporate takeovers and acquisitions, Viacom and Nickelodeon has been really good to the TMNT brand. It's been running with relative success. A new animated series aired in 2012 with Jason Biggs, Sean Astin, Rob Paulson, and Greg Price, (laughs) best known as voicing Beast Boy and Teen Titans, voicing Neo, Raph, Donnie, and Mikey, respectively. Samwise Gamgee is in this reboot? Yeah, man, and that series ran through 2017. Nickelodeon aired... Oh, go ahead. This is this is like right after Avatar and like right when Nickelodeon is like, man, this teen based, this teen aimed show um, is is really popular. It's just not selling the merch we want. What if we do that to us to a property that has sold almost the most merch ever? Um, I bet we'd make a lot of money. Um, So it really makes sense is what I'm getting at. Good job. Good job, Nickelodeon. Goodbye. Like. Right. Like, what is $60 million for an IP that generated $1.1 billion in toy sale in, revel- revenue alone right. in less yeah, than a decade? Insanity. Yeah. 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 So Nickelodeon aired a newer style 2D series called Rise of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from 2018 to 2020. And that got a follow-up movie this year. I'll be honest, I don't know much about it, but it does seem to be pretty good. Um, it is an origin story. It's kind of a a, a pup named Scooby-Doo of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, <laughs> if you will. Is a pup named Scooby-Doo an origin? I always thought it was just Muppet Babies. It's, well, a, pre- yeah, it's, it's no, a prequel. Yeah, it's a, yeah. Is it it's a prequel? prequel. Yeah, it's, it's a baby. It's a Muppet really Babies. Care. It's a, yeah. Muppet ba- Okay, I don't care. I don't care. Let's move on. <laughs> Are we about to argue with the canon of Muppet Babies? Is that what we're about to do? Lore. It's not canon. The Muppets, the Muppet movie showed them being the, meet, meeting nah, together the, as the, an adults. As adults, the, they're all adults when they met. The Muppet Babies are like not, the Teen Titans to Young Justice. They both exist in different, different universes, similar right. universes. This is absurd. I hate this <laughs> show. <laughs> Even though Kevin Eastman sold his shares. He was quickly tapped as a writer for the new TMNT comic series in 2011 when the publishing rights shifted to IDW Publishing. Huh. That's That series is still running and has, from what I can tell, been really well received. It introduced the third fifth turtle in 2019, a human-turned-mutant tur- turtle lady named Jenica. Her design is much <laughs> better than Venus de Milo's. But she's got Wolverine claws. Yeah, she does. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Dope. Yeah, that's awesome. Now, here's if if you haven't read the wiki about her, if you had to guess how we found a brand new turtle that is a ninja that just shows up (laughs) and is and is conveniently timed to a Netflix or a Disney Plus series that's about to debut soon as of this recording, how would you guess that that this woman gets her turtle powers if you guess if you guess blood transfusion then you might be right <laughs> blood blood transfusion from a different teenage mutant ninja turtle then yes oh good there's yeah, only one good. story to be told it's the same story 
<laughs> so there are only 36 original stories and the rest are, are and they picked the morbius on one <laughs> and they picked morbius oh man uh, yeah she's, she looks so, at leo as he's as he's giving the infusion and she goes make it make count, it count. <laughs> Uh, oh that was no, so she, well done she is dope i like her a lot yeah so jenica was a human love interest of casey jones uh who was a member of the foot clan and uh it was kind of this like you know romeo juliet we're not supposed to be in love but we are kind of situation and then they turned her into a turtle, and I don't really know where Casey Jones stands on that. I was, I was gonna ask. This is a very like a variation of the if would you still love me if I turned into a worm question. Uh, does I Casey think, Jones yeah. still love her when she turns into a turtle? <laughs> I don't know. Um, the I think what what Matt is meaning to say is that Leonardo's blood is turning all the ninjas into turtles. They're and that's where we are now. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, that's what you're doing. Uh, yeah. That's what we were uh, doing. We're doing an Alex Jones. Okay. Hey, I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, the Turtles brand is still going strong, and I guess I forgot to talk about the Michael Bay movies, didn't I? Uh, you? Uh, beans. <sighs> so in 2014, Nickelodeon teamed up with Michael Bay's Platinum Dunes, partners to once again make the turtles ride the coattails of the transformers while doing press in 2012 michael bay announced that the movie would be called just ninja turtles and that their origin story would be changed as they would be aliens instead of mutants well is that real that is real yeah. I, I remember that i i was working at i was i was working at a movie theater when both both of the recent movies oh. came out and this was a man. People were mad. People were so yeah, because mad. Why? It's wild to think Bay about the. Dumb. It's wild to think about back to the Obama years when, like, this is the thing that Twitter got upset about. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Twitter was still so days? fresh and new. Yeah, I was still yeah. tweeting like, "Just ate food." Yeah. Uh, you can imagine how <laughs> thirty of years at Ted Cruz that he pissed his pants. <laughs> yeah, and then he yes. comes out of his mouth. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> We've time stamped this. Uh, <laughs> god damn. <sighs> okay. <sighs> anyway, you can imagine how thirty years of fandom reacted to that, and that movie got ugly Sonicked back to a more canonical adaptation. <laughs> I love that. I've seen this movie one time. It's not oh. great. The <clears throat> cast, though, is buck wild with Johnny Knoxville voicing Leonardo. Right? <laughs> Megan That's Fox what, is April O'Neil. Uh, of course. Tony Shalhoub voicing Splinter. Tony and... Shalhoub! <laughs> right? <laughs> wow. And Will Arnett as some guy named Vernon. <laughs> okay, so wait, a couple a couple things just super quick. Sure. You shared you shared the video earlier of like the avalanche scene, which I still stand is fun. Not very good. I I was like, okay, uh like Will Arnett's in this movie, fine. Megan Fox is April O'Neil. I thought I was like, oh, Will Arnett is some really tough on his luck 40 year old vir virgin of like you know casey jones casey and then jones. he just told me his name is vernon it's just vernon <laughs> and also johnny knoxville's a voice actor in this movie 
I I guarantee what happened was they wanted Will Arnett to voice like Raphael or something because he's got the good mm. like the the Lego Batman voice. He's got the good like gravelly, yeah. uh, and he's and he he read the script and he's like, I'm not doing that. I'm not voicing this this turtle. I'm do something else. And they had to like write in mm-hmm. this part for him because Vernon Vernon. He is uh, April O'Neil's cameraman, um, and that's it. I don't, like, dude, you had Casey Jones right there, you know? Like, there are six characters, well, there are eight characters in the Turtles canon that matter. Right. Shredder, Splinter, the four Turtles, Casey Jones, April O'Neil. That's it. That's the whole damn gang. And, like, who the fuck is Vernon, Michael Bay? (laughs) Who Who is Vernon? Well, we needed um, a different white guy, so yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There weren't enough weren't enough white guys in this in this property right. for Michael Bay. Tony Shalhoub is still the one that really gets me. Like, really fun. So Tony Shalhoub is Splinter is nuts. And if you look at the casting on IMDb, you have to scroll to the right to see all of it, and he is a surprise entrance when you scroll. <laughs> You're like, all right, all of this makes sense. What? <laughs> Monk, there was, what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> there was a sequel released in 2016 called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: colon, Out of was? the Shadows. Yeah, yeah, there sure was. I it's... haven't seen it. I don't think I need to. The best part of both of these movies was a six-minute downhill avalanche fight scene in the first one. YouTube that and save yourself five hours. To to put it in terms. Um, at least that I know at least Matt will understand. Um, I believe the, I believe TMNT out of the shadows is the ghost rider spirit of vengeance of, of the two movies. (laughs) You know what? I I take it back. I did see this one because the actor that plays green arrow in arrow plays Casey Jones. Yep. I did see this one. Hey, you guys. Hey, you guys. (laughs) The voice of Krang was Brad Garrett from Everybody Loves Raymond. (laughs) (laughs) What? Oh, no. America was a mistake. (laughs) Oh, my God. Hey, it got a 6 out of 10 on IMDb. So. Hey, but that said, it's got a 37% on Rotten Tomatoes. And to put that into perspective, the 2017 Power Rangers reboot has a 51% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. Two two more points to bring in. Uh, Will Arnett does reprise his role as Vernon. And uh, (laughs) Tyler Tyler Perry plays Baxter Stockman. No, Tyler Perry. (laughs) Wow, I'm I'm just like scrolling through this cast now. It's so bonkers. All right, well, that is now officially all I know about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I wanted to save these last minutes for your final thoughts. And also to talk about any favorite bad TMNT cartoon ripoffs you may have. <laughs> My I... favorite is the Street Sharks. Oh, oh yeah, Street Sharks is good. That's a good answer. Street Sharks I... is good. I really liked this, and I thank you for sharing all this with us, Matt. I have gone through a wave of nostalgia. So I think my favorite flavor texts are when they like speak to something deep within me and like transform me back to like a very specific memory. And when you were talking about how there was just a time where the Ninja Turtles were on everything, shoes, clothes, lunch boxes, toys, like I am transformed back to 
my kindergarten year, I had a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle lunchbox. And like, I vividly remember like that, that Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were like such a vital part of my just growing up experience. And so I love all of this. Um, much like the Phoenix rises from the ashes of its former <laughs> self, I do at mm-hmm. some point hope that, that the turtles again stand in the light. Um, man, I'm, I'm I mean, really the, dealing... if you ask if you ask anyone who's watching the Nickelodeon shows, they are standing in the light. The Nickelodeon shows are supposed to be very good. Right. I'm I'm just dealing with the brother from Everybody Loves Raymond voicing Craig. That's just really... It's it's stuck with me, and I can't get out of that, but this is very, very good. Um, And I I guess I didn't realize how much Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles meant to me growing up. Um, I would echo what you said about Street Sharks. Love Street Sharks. Um, (laughs) It's not quite a spinoff, but Gargoyles. Gargoyles. Ah, Gargoyles are so good. Personal favorite. I had that Sega video game, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't have another example because Street Sharks and Gargoyles were my two uh, <laughs> that I thought of, but I do. I would like to leave everyone with the idea that the turtles most represent an ain't like an old like storytelling slash like psychology mechanic called the four temperaments, yeah. which all goes back to like, uh, like the like beast like Greek physician Hippocrate Hippocrates Hippocrates Jesus um talking about like the four temperaments in terms of like ancient medicine uh but then that that transferred to like the four personalities the four archetypes which are what you find in any piece of fiction anytime you have four main characters there are these four you've got the brains the brawn the fool and the wild card just ask Andrew's new favorite um right wing pundit jordan peterson <laughs> <laughs> right archetypes and hierarchies uh-huh. um, but like but like the turtles like the four archetypes of the turtles can apply to literally like take any like the a team or seinfeld or always sunny in philadelphia mm-hmm. like any group of four characters and they will most likely fit into one of those they will into map, those four uh, archetypes. map onto this yeah yeah which i i just find very fun um i have nothing else to add about the ninja turtles matt this was very good and i'm i'm jealous of everyone who got to have the teenage mutant ninja turtles as part of their childhood because i did not however i have three favorite teenage mutant ninja turtle knockoffs that i want to talk about one the mighty ducks um yes my ooh, other favorite ooh, yeah. yes a good one. that was really yep. good two mummies alive and hell three, yes mummies alive <laughs> and three swat cats I don't remember Swat oh, Cats. I remember you, you kind of had me, and then you totally lost me. I remember. Mm-hmm. So I remember Samurai Pizza Cats. <laughs> Samurai Pizza Cat. I did, I did not like. I know that existed, but I didn't remember that. SWAT I watched Cats, the Radical Squadron. I do remember these guys. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you do. I uh, I I found you guys the the listicle that you were looking for. I just linked ah. it in the show notes. But um, I mean, Battletoads is a TMNT ripoff. Yeah. Um, extreme dinosaurs and biker mic biker mice from Mars. Two other those. favorites of mine. Um, the Mighty Ducks, of course. The best one in this list has to be Snailians, however, which um, <laughs> I've never heard of before this moment. 
Um, Man. Oh, I don't know. Cyborgs you, is pretty good. Cyborgs. Yeah, are, are you sure? Is also good. Wild West Cow Boys of Moo Mesa isn't the one you're going for. <laughs> I am. These I are am all sh- very good. These are yeah. all great. Uh, there is just to to end us on the ripoffs. There is a really awesome '90s commercial of Vin Diesel who voiced one of the Street Sharks, showing how cool the toys are and how you can fit the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles toys in the mouths of the Street Street Sharks toys. Vin Diesel actually being the biggest nerd alive is one of my favorite pieces of Hollywood lore. Right. Um, Yeah. Avid D&D player, Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Vincent Diesel. And what better place is there to end than that? So thanks for listening to Debate This you can follow along with the arguments on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at DebateThisCast or on our website at DebateThisCast.com. Hey, speaking of that website, if you go there, you might notice a new link on the top of the page. That new link says support the show. And if you click that link, you can buy our merch. Yeah. You can buy our merch. <laughs> we finally have merch. If you want to buy it, go to DebateThisCast.com. Click the support the show link and then click the buy our merch button. I worked really hard figuring out how WordPress works so I can make that happen for you. Please buy our merch. Also, if you want to commission a flavor text, you can get all the information about that at patreon.com slash debate this cast. Until next time, I'm Matt Cole. Am I first? Am I first here? Okay. <laughs> uh, sorry. I'm Kyle, immature radioactive samurai slugs Harper. I'm Todd. I'm a swag man. Skibadabadibadabibopbop. Thomas. And, <laughs> and I'm Andrew Cumshell or Highwater Henderson. Ah, that was a good one. And we're saying thanks for debating with us. And if you think we're wrong, well, you can come bring us a pizza behind the swing sets. Cowabunga, dudes! Radical. Radical. 90s catchphrase. <laughs> <laughs>